So when uh, I got the message Thursday from Brett that uh, he was sick and asked if I would uh, lead service, and it, it was also impromptu service, and I'm going, yeah, right. Um, as I said before, Brett is an amazing uh, improv person, and he's brilliant. Um, I tend to be a little bit more um, group dynamic person. So I took a deep breath, and I said, okay, I can do this. And he says, well, do whatever you want. And I said, I will. <laughs> um, and so the first thing that came to my mind was, a sermon that I prepared about 10 years ago. And I went to my file cabinet, and I pulled it out, and I said, you know what? I think this is what God is calling me to do. So then I thought, well, what's the scripture? What's the lectionary scripture for this Sunday? And when I looked it up, I was amazed at the impromptu coincidence was the scripture relating to somewhat the sermon that I prepared 10 years ago. Well, as you know, this uh, last week, uh, I've been enjoying the visit of my son and his wife and my first grandbaby, so I had a lot of distraction around me. Wonderful distraction. So if you hear some noises, that's her, and I cherish the fact that she's here. So um, here is the scripture for today. It comes from Luke chapter 2. The time came for Mary and Joseph to do what the law of Moses says a mother is supposed to do after her baby is born. They took Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord, just as the law of the Lord says, each firstborn baby boy belongs to God. The law of the Lord also says parents have to offer a sacrifice, giving at least a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So that is what Mary and Joseph did. At this time, a man named Simeon was living in Jerusalem. Simeon was a good man. He loved God and was waiting for him to save the people of Israel. God's spirit came to him and told him that he would not die until he had seen Christ the Lord. So when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to do what the law of Moses says should be done for a new baby, the spirit told Simeon to get into the temple. And Simeon took the baby, Jesus, in his arms and praised God, praying, Lord, I am your servant. Now I can die in peace. Because you have kept your promise to me. With my own eyes, I have seen what you have done to save your people. And foreign nations will also see this. Your mighty power is light for all nations, and it will bring honor to your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were surprised at what Simeon had said. Then Simeon blessed them and told Mary, This child of yours will cause many people in Israel to fall and others to stand. The child will be like a warning sign. Many people will reject him, and you, Mary, will suffer as though you had been stabbed by a dagger. But this will show what people are really thinking. Now, at the same time, the prophet Anna was also there in the temple. She was a daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. 
In her youth, she had been married to uh, married for seven years, but her husband had died. And now she was 84 years old. Night and day, she served God in the temple by praying and, feast and fasting. At this time, Anna came in and praised God. She spoke about this child, to Jesus, uh, child Jesus to everyone who hoped for Jerusalem to be set free. The word of God for the people of God. And I'm going to need a Kleenex. Chris, is there a Kleenex somewhere? Ah, there's one right here. Are you? And the books come tumbling down. So one of my favorite humorous Christian writers is Mary Pierce. And her stories provide me with a lot of laughter as well as provocative spiritual Reflection, And today I would like to share one of her stories, one of her essays uh, that she wrote about prayer. And since it's the end of the year, I thought some humor would be good. Confessions of a Prayer Wimp. I heard it today. A radio host introduced his female guest as a real prayer warrior. I cringed with guilt, imaging this saint who has worn out countless pairs of pantyhose at the knee, praying for lost causes in hopeless cases. This saint who eloquent prayers alter the course of history, change the minds of presidents, and averts disasters. This saint who diligently prays inspire prodigals homeward. In her shadow, I feel puny and pathetic. For you see, I am not a prayer warrior at all. I am a prayer wimp. Problems like the water heater exploding don't send a prayer warrior running from the house in her ratty pink bathrobe and fuzzy purple slippers screaming, Help, Lord, help, save us! No, a warrior never loses her cool like that. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to wash the basement floor. (laughs) And then, rolling her eyes heavenly, she mops the floor and adds, Oh, and the ceiling as well. And I know that if car trouble strands a warrior in the middle of nowhere with an ice cream cake melting in her back seat, she doesn't pound her forehead on the steering wheel and shout to the cornfields, Why me, Lord? No, a warrior remains calm. Though she knows that eight giggling fourth-grade girls are waiting back at the house with the birthday girl's anxious father. No, The warrior doesn't panic. She smiles, praying for the birthday celebration and for the Good Samaritan tow truck driver who will happen to come along before the cake thaws. And he'll refuse to accept her check as he tips his hat, insisting, it's my pleasure to be to your service, ma'am. Well, the tow truck shows up for me too, but much later as I'm trying to dam the flow of melting ice cream with one used tissue and an old receipt I've dislodged from the gum at the bottom of my purse. My rescuer also refuses my check. He demands cash in front instead. I offer the remaining cake as partial payment, but happy birth doesn't appeal to him either. A warrior is on her knees before dawn, 
She eloquently prays for missionaries in far-off lands as well as for the lady next door. She covers international affairs, foreign heads of state, and the members of the city council all before her first cup of coffee. When the alarm shatters my sleep, my mind muddles through a thick fog. Did I survive the night? I must have. Heaven would surely be cleaner than this bedroom. An inkling of gratitude for my family, the stress, and even the mess might sneak up on me. I may hear myself mumbling, Good morning, Lord, and thank you. No eloquent, not very eloquent, but better those than my first words, like, Hey, who took my hair dryer and didn't put it back? When a warrior's friend calls her with a concern, before her friend even gets the details out, the warrior gently says, Let's pray about it, shall we? And then she goes right on there, prays right there on the phone, out loud. I pity the friends of wimps like me. A call that becomes a mutual whining session about the tough stuff of life with a promise to pray for each other later when nobody can hear me. A promise I usually forget. A warrior's prayers are a symphony. Mine are an advertising jingle. Lord, I deserve a break today. Reach out, reach out and touch me, God. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now, God? A warrior paradigm is elegant, intimate dinner for two. Mine is a fast food run. I'll take a new heart, a new mind, and two orders of patience, Lord. And could you please have that to go? Make time for appointment with God? <laughs> The experts advise, oh, sure. Exactly when would I be able to do that? Before the soccer game and after the basketball practice, between the ballet classes and the scout troop meeting, and after the early morning meeting, between the mid-morning meeting and my late morning meeting, and when I'm asleep, maybe? Pray for your family while you're cooking, they say. Hmm. That would be while the mac and cheese to go heats in the microwave. I hope my family doesn't have any problems that can't be solved in four minutes or less. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Is the Bible joking? <laughs> in this day and age, run, dream, clean, fuss, fume, and work without ceasing, yes. Organize, stress, agonize, groan, and whine without ceasing, yes. But pray without ceasing? Who has time for that? Well, there have been moments I have spent with God, rare times when the children are all off at camp, when I'm sick in bed, when my back is out, or when I was just too pooped to do another thing. Then I could manage to make those appointments. So I confess, I am a prayer wimp. I have trouble being focused enough, disciplined enough, organized enough, or whatever it is that they are, to be a prayer warrior. I don't seem to have the calling or the blessing or the power or whatever it is that they have to do the job. I am not Wonder Woman, not a warrior when it comes to praying. I am a wimp. What can I do? Where can I go for help? Is there a 12-step program for people like me? A place where I could stand before a bunch of strangers and confess, hey, my name is Mary and I'm a prayer warrior. I mean, prayer wimp. Murmurs of understanding would assure me that I'm not alone. No one would even throw a rock.
It is hard to know what to do. It is hard to find a warrior who will give me any advice. I asked friends at church, know any prayer warriors? They've given me other people's names. Prayer warriors, I've discovered, don't seem to realize who they are. Anytime I've approached one and asked, could you teach me how to be a prayer warrior like you? And they have responded by saying, me? A prayer warrior? No way. Well, prayer warriors often insist that they are wimps too. One told me, we are all just raw recruits in God's squad. So she suggested that prayer may not be about who we are at all, but about who God is. Then she said, God will teach us to pray if we ask God. If that's the case, then the 12-step plan for recovering wimps would be very simple. Step one, say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Step two, be quiet and listen. Steps three through 12, repeat steps one and two until you hear differently. It sounds simple enough, even for a prayer wimp like me. And you who seek God, may your hearts live. Mary Pierce's essay is clever and does a humorous job at our often sense of inadequacy when it comes to prayer. I have often been able to instill the fear in people by simply asking them if they would be willing to pray out loud. In youth group, if everybody's talking and I just say, who would like to say a prayer right now? It's instant silence. And a pin drop can be heard. This is not unusual experience, as you might think. Consider the fact that there are millions of books that have been written on the subject of prayer. Thousands of courses have been taught about prayer. It seems that we're on this constant quest to be more adept at prayer and praying. So we reach the end of the year, and it seems uh, always to thrust us into that reflecting mode on those things that we want to change or improve. Well, in today's scripture, we see Simeon and Anna living out their long lives of faithful prayer. In this passage, it reminds us of our important call to be faithful in our praying in the coming year. I have had many prayer warriors in my life, and I am deeply appreciative of all of them. Mary Pierce ends her essay saying that the first step is asking God to teach us how to pray. The irony is, is that Jesus gave us a model to help our prayer life. And it is simple. It is the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer to be memorized and recited weekly or daily, but it also gives us a simple but effective tool or a pattern or a formula to follow as we engage in prayer regularly. This is how I look at the Lord's Prayer as our formula. There's the first movement. God calling upon God's presence. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's just like dialing your phone or typing an email address on your computer. Starting prayer 
calling upon God's presence opens that space of the movement of God's spirit in our lives. A great way to do that is breath prayer or silent meditation. And once we find that quiet center, we can engage in the second movement. The second movement, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we do needs to be a response of what God is leading and not necessarily what we think needs to be done. Thus, we need to spend time listening and surrendering ourselves to God's will for the sake of God's bigger picture for us and the world. This is a tough one. It's letting go and letting God. But as we let go and we're ready to engage, then we're ready to engage in the third movement. Give us this day our daily bread. This step is about needs and requests. Here we pray for ourselves, others, and the world. We ask, we intercede, and we share. Our prayer response is selflessness and generosity so that everyone's needs can be met. The fourth movement can be challenging as well. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others. We all make mistakes, and so do others. Wholeness and healing comes when we admit and confess our wrongdoings as well as forgiving others theirs. We may fall short, but God's grace gives us the opportunity of a fresh start. But it requires a humble and contrite spirit. The fifth movement, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't do this alone. We need strength for the journey. We can rely on God's help, guidance, strength, support, and courage to do what is loving and peaceful and just, even when it seems difficult. And now we arrive at the last movement. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Our last prayer thought should be a reminder that God loves that God's love lasts forever. We are not alone. Emmanuel, God with us, is our companion on our journey. So, do we need to do all the steps all at one prayer sitting? You can. Can you just take one of the movements and just focus on one movement? Sure. Let God's Spirit move you. There's plenty of ways to pray. But remember, it's your faithfulness that counts, just like Simeon and Anna. So my prayer for all of us as we enter the new year is that our lives become living prayers, extensions of everything that we do, as faithfully as we faithfully reflect and express God's love and grace in the world. Amen. We're going to enter a time of um, silent prayer. As Chris plays the uh, hymn, Come and Find a Quiet Center, it's in your black hymnal if you would like to sing with us, 2128. And I'm going to bring the Christ candle 
to the center of the sanctuary as a reminder that the light of Christ symbolizes God's light holding all of us and embracing all of us. God is not distant. God is among us. So let us sing.